Thank you for joining the ESBC Betting Finance Network. Uh, we have a variety of programming during COVID-19. We got prominent attorneys, people who train police departments, give us information on what's going on with uh, police brutality. Uh, we have mental first aid kit on the weekends. Uh, this week I'll record on Saturdays. We also have uh, Major League Baseball with uh, Brandon First, first report, PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's broken down every single Major League team. And he's giving you updates. And this podcast is ACC football preview, but looking at it from a betting angle so you can make money. We're going to go through every conference, college football conference, following up on our 80% winning percentage in uh, the bowl games where we made a lot of money. And we got the top 10 rules of betting on our web page uh, that every day people are increasing views, they're reading, they're researching because they want to make money when sports starts. And every business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. So the purpose of the podcast from the beginning is to make me money. And I say that because sports people lie so much. Oh, I switched teams for the love of the game to be closer to my family now. Truth is, you did it for the money. And the reason I'm doing this podcast is for the money. And uh, that's the purpose. The outcome has been that uh, Brandon first, PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going on the fourth year consecutively making me money because he's very thorough as far as the number one rule of betting is you never bet on your own team. I'm wearing, you know, USF college because I went to USF. I'm a USF alumnus. I can't bet on them because I'm emotional. Uh, you know, realistically, they're going to get blown out by Texas in the first game. But I will rationalize how they're going to cover, you know, the 30 points or whatever in Austin. Or whatever. So that's why you don't. But the second rule of betting is do your research. And you do not wait until late August. See how crazy the world is? And, it, and it's exaggerated this year. But you don't wait until August to start researching teams, researching angles. You do it now when you're relaxed. Uh, nobody in the business I am, none of my clients want to hear from me on a Friday afternoon. So what do I do? I pick up the football books and I start uh, every morning. You know, some people read the Bible. I read college football books. <laughs> and then on Friday, I do extra work. And we continue to do our research because that's the number one tool of, of research. You do not bet blindly. You do your research. You do it during the summer. And then come fall, you end up making a lot of money. So the outcome has been that my wife, Anna, since 2011, has not bought any gasoline that hasn't been betting-related. So that's come out to $28,800, I counted. So that, that's the outcome. You got the purpose and the outcome. And the outcome also is a lot of fun. And now we're going to introduce the PhD of Florida Ego. Somebody asked me the other day, why... Do you call him the PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles? So I decided to write it up and put it into the About Us section of the website. 
And, okay, what, what is a dissertation, right? To get a PhD, you got to have a dissertation. And it is a complete report on a subject that you have mastered and that you continue to update. So every football season, Brandon First updates us on <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles. It's an ongoing thesis. And what's the result of the thesis? He's probably made us more money than most PhDs make, right? <laughs> That's why we call him PhD of the Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you for joining us every week now on the college football betting preview as we go through each uh, of the conferences. Not all the conferences we've been on, but the major ones that people want to know about. Exactly. And, and you know, we, we pretty much set the tone uh, last, last year, especially with the Bulls. Um, bet on every bowl game and uh, the against the spread and over under and we're heavily I mean we we hit on one every single game uh, most times we were hitting both times so it's uh, it'll be good to you know dive full because I will say last year you know when we were starting it uh, the, it was very NFL heavy to start so we did uh, the college football we got to but it was a little later so it's it's real interesting to be you know talking here J June 26th um, for us to actually dive in fully as opposed to just that kind of, uh, hey, let's talk college football now like we did last year. This year's actual plan. Right. And, uh, so that just means we're going to do even better than we did last year, and I think that's great news. Right. No, big time, because uh, really that's how it started, because we were in the Scott and DR show four years ago as the NFL reporters, and I'm researching every game I'm doing that. And I heard this guy, Brandon First, I'm like, oh, man, I can't offload my research of the Philadelphia Eagles on what this guy's saying because a lot of what he's saying makes sense. Right? A lot of other guys, it wasn't making sense what they were saying. But this guy makes sense. So last year, I'm going through my same process. This year's changed because of COVID-19, right? Phil Steele, got to give a shout-out to him. He's made me a lot of money the last 20 years. He usually first one in May, right after uh, – spring practice that he comes out with a uh, with a preview magazine. You go through every team. He didn't do that this year. Uh, they have to follow stuff on my own. I know that the USC Par I gotta give a shout out to them. The PS the USC Parastyle Podcast. Ryan Abraham. He does a great job. Him and uh, head coach from UNLV head coach who coached um, Suge Knight. Recruited Suge Knight at uh, South Central, got into UNLV, and had that, you know, UNLV with uh, Randall Cunningham, they went 10-1, won the bowl game, Tark was there, where everybody got thrown out for uh, all kinds of uh, interesting activities, but he's uh, he's on the Parasite Podcast with uh, Ryan Amberham, so I've been listening to those guys for 10 years, so you accumulate a lot of knowledge in Living in the richest country in the world, we've been able to accumulate and use and have fun with a lot of money. I haven't paid a betting trip to Vegas in 10 years without being a betting. So, and it's, my wife calls it a business trip. <laughs> you know, but we have a lot of fun betting these games. So that's, that. the difference is, right, that there's a lot of guys out there that have, not a lot, but let's say 20% of the people who bet on games are just as good as we are. They make a lot of money. The difference is we share, right? 
like the guy from Jeopardy, right? Before he came on Jeopardy, was he sharing people his sports betting knowledge? No, he wasn't at all. You didn't even hear who this guy was. So that's the difference between us and the other guys making 70, 80%. They're living on an ivory tower in Vegas or wherever. And they're not sharing their information. They're keeping it to themselves. We don't do that here. We have a spirit of abundance and we share the knowledge. So we're not just teaching people or giving people fishes. We're teaching them how to fish and how to come up with your own picks. And if you can or you don't feel like coming up with your own picks, we'll give you our picks and we're going to be 100% transparent and we're going to post them on Twitter before it happens. So when you listen to us, it's very different than listening to Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, uh, Clay Travis, none of those guys, Jason Whitlock, uh, Deion Sanders. The difference is we make you money. So when you're looking for to listen to something, listen to a podcast, ask yourself, is this person making me money, A? B, is he teaching me how to make money? And if I learn how to make money, and I am making money, and when I watch the games, it's going to be a lot more fun. That's the main thing out of it, man. All the guys that have been on the podcast we were on uh, last year, 63.5, would finish fourth in the Super Contest. Really, it's the fun. It's the banter going back and forth. It's funny because uh, you got to live a very disciplined lifestyle to run three businesses and run them well. But people know me, man. Once <laughs> college football starts, once college basketball, boom, you start getting random texts from people. Uh, who I hadn't heard from in a long time, you know, say asking me about the games or saying something crazy that happened in the game or the old, I get this from clients. Uh, man, I'm sitting here at the win and who do I pick? Da, da, da. I tell them, Eric. It's always a lot of fun. All right. So what is the first uh, team going to handle tonight? So uh, we are going to do this alphabetically. Um, this is not anywhere near um, our pick of order. Just alphabetical. Uh, it will be the ACC Atlantic. It'll start uh, Boston College, um, a team that's pretty much been at the bottom of the ACC for a while. I was actually surprised to see that they had four straight bowl appearances. Uh, they got blown out. I'm pretty sure we won good money last year off of that one. Right. Got blown out in the bowl game last year. Um, four straight bowl appearances. However, they haven't won eight games or more since 2012. So a lot of six and six, seven and five, uh, one and seven in the ACC last year. Look, ACC is not good. And you go one and seven, you, 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 you really shouldn't feel very good. Obviously, cost um, the coach's job. Bring in Ohio State defensive coordinator. Um, I think if I think a lot of the reason why um, I believe is Durazio who was who was fired. He had yeah. he actually had a, a, a for a Boston College coach who doesn't have Doug Flutie or Matt Ryan. Oh no, Frank Cignetti's the offensive coordinator. Coach is halfway. Yeah. Yes, yes, but it was Durazio or Durazio. I've I'm not one hundred percent sure. Yeah. Um, and big guy, real, you always yeah, and, and he, you could tell he was, he was, a, he was a motivator. Um, and for a Boston College team that look, like I said, unless Doug Flutie or Matt Ryan is at quarterback, they're not right. going to be good. Um, he was, he was four straight bowl games. Now, I know, look, the whatever Belk Bowl, whatever it was, not exactly gonna, you know, 
bring people to the school, but still, I mean, he, he was, he was somewhat successful. I mean, 505, six years at BC, that's successful in my mind. However, I do think the fact that um, the D, uh, defensive coordinator from Ohio state, who you just mentioned, the fact that he was available, I think that was a reason why Boston college made the move. Um, and I think it's going to be tough for a Boston college team who loses their best player overall. AJ Dillon went in the second round of uh the NFL draft, the running back went to Green Bay. Um, it's going to be hard to replace that for a team that doesn't recruit well, in all honesty. Well, I, I, the thing is that when you're at Boston College, right, and you're, you're a football player in the South or West Coast, you're not thinking Boston College, right? You're thinking warm weather. You don't want to go out, even though. Uh, to be honest, the two years I lived in Boston, there's like 244 colleges there. You get on the bus and there's, you know, 300 girls between the ages of 18 and 24. Not a bad place for a young gentleman to be. It reminds me of PV in San Diego. One of the great places to be a single guy. Oh. Right? But Adazio did a great job. He had a system. He's a great coach of offensive line guys. He's won um, several national titles with Urban Meyer. Now, Getting back to the business finance part of it, right? When you're picking a stock, okay? Uh, and we'll preface this, and we'll use this one as reference for the rest of the college football ones. Uh, so when you're picking a stock, you have to analyze the management of the company, right? So what we do is, and we're gonna get back to this now that we got sports coming in. And we'll say at the beginning, we use business and financial concepts, right? To wager on games. It's the same process that you do in a business decision and in buying stocks. And the discipline we use is decision science, straight out of the book. So decision science is used by Google top 15 companies. So we use mathematical and business concepts. We use psychology, we use psychotherapy, we use academic disciplines in order to make a objective decision versus a subjective decision, right? So a subjective decision is betting on your own team. That's why we never do that. We make objective decisions uh, and one of you know the reason I I knew that Brandon smart uh, that Brandon first was smart is because he's very cynical, and that ninety five percent of people do not have the capacity to change. So he came around to double digit dogs in the division. And then when I heard him say return, hey, that's return to the mean. I was like, oh, right on, man, return to the mean. That's a concept from statistics. So when we say return to the mean, we're making a decision based on an academic discipline, a concept from the math world that we apply in order to make the correct decision to what? Make money because break even is what? 52.5%. So when I say that Brandon first and I went 80% during the bowl season, that means that we made the margin between 52.5 and 80%. Now, on top of that, 
and I, I tell everybody go to my Twitter page and go to the video I pin where I explain what value is because money is not everything people we're gonna you know who knows we might all die of uh, COVID 21 right so you have to have fun so not only are we making that margin we're enjoying the game we're enjoying the entertainment value of it so the psychological factors go up right because the value equation I tell every client they're sick of me hearing it clients go ahead and turn it down for the next two seconds while I explain this but equation the value equation is you always have to have it in your mind it's uh psychological factors plus functional factors divided by time and money time and money so when you're enjoying the game you're getting huge use of your time and you're making money right and if you own a business 80 percent of your time has to be in revenue generating activity however you don't want to burn out you want self-care <laughs> so we got a great evolutionary system where at the same time you're doing self-care you're also making money at the same time so that's why we're so happy lucky and good to be able to share this system with you and it's consistent because if you think that i am full of shit start listening to every podcast from the beginning right because these podcasts are more valuable after the fact than while they're happening. Because the ones that are old tell you the whys. You're not worried about the outcome. You're learning the why. You're learning how to make yourself money in the middle of a pandemic, recession, riots. Right? So that's why we're so ecstatic when we get excited with this because it's awesome. And uh, we believe in abundance, so we live in, in sharing, sharing this with you. So back to Boston College. Uh, I think, let me know what you think, Brandon, first, first report. I think that uh, in this COVID-19 sports era, that things are going to be a little exaggerated. I think that the teams are they're going to be really, really good. They're going to be really, really good. In the teams, like Boston College with a new head coach, no spring practice, uh, trying to get themselves organized. The guy was trying to move into a house up there in Boston. And, and Boston was one of the hardest hit places. Uh, I think a lot of teams, he's just going to say, hey, let's just make this a development year is what they call them. And maybe they'll cover the first game, but the, the whole rest of the year is probably going to be a disaster. Looking at the schedule, they play a lot of veteran coaches, right? Syracuse. That might be a competitive game because it's the first game of the season. Uh, but then Ohio, Frank Solich, veteran guy. Who knows how many years he's going to coach. He's going to take every year serious. And it doesn't matter. He's going to have his team ready to play. Uh, Kansas, Les Miles, same type of coach. Purdue, the guy's a maniac. He doesn't care. He, it, it, that guy, if you're walking to the bank, he's trying to – race to the machine before because he's just an ultra competitive guy veteran head coach uh, making seven million a year clemson so at the time they played louisville right it's pack them up pack them in uh very depressed they could be 0 and 5 0 and 6 right here louisville blow them out with their athletes virginia tech will blow them out justin fuentes and then maybe they'll get themselves together against holy cross 
If they even play that game. If they lose to Holy Cross, if they lose to Holy Cross at home, I mean, you'd have to imagine they'd be 0-8. I mean, that would be the bottom. There's, look, there's no way. I, they, I've, I didn't even know Holy Cross had a football team. Good for and, them. And it could happen because it's not going to be a traditional homecoming. There's going to be nobody there, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it's even towards the end of the year. I mean, they could very easily go 1-11. Um, yeah. They, they oh, got to look at Ohio. Look at the coaches they're playing, man. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's the thing. Lead, I mean, man. you have – you have Frank Solich and Les Miles at places that are right, lower. And you're off schedule, yeah. These yeah, and then and then even Syracuse. Schedule. The, yeah. the thing that Syracuse has, Syracuse isn't a very good team, but they have a very big weapon that not a ton of college football players ha- or teams have, and it's a returning kicker who's won the Lou Groza, and uh, we'll get to him later. But that's huge in college football to have that, you know. Two minutes left well, in the game, you're down football, by two or it's yeah, a tie yeah. game. You're going down the field. You know, hey, we get to that 20-yard line, game's over. We're right. making the field goal, no worries. I don't have to worry about this 20-year-old folding like a cheap suit. This right. kid's won things before he'll win it again. So the, I, I think Boston College is in for a very long year. Um, but, but I do think they could be moving in the right direction. Most of these Urban Meyer protégés um, have success. Um, wherever they go now, obviously they're not going to be level for a Tom while. Herman had a good run at Houston, and now this is a make it or break it year with the Longhorns. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, that's he should have never Finkel, left Houston. Luke Finkel but, is more of a. I got him back there. The winner's manual, like Jim Trestle. He's he's more of a Trestle guy. And then a, um, he's a, he's Zach Day. Team. I mean, I'm really impressed with what Zach Day does. He has a ton of talent. Don't get me wrong. Right. But he's he's a really good coach. Yeah. Or yeah, is no, it Ryan I'm Day? I think it's Ryan Day. Ryan Day. I'm a big fan of Ryan. Yeah. yeah, me too. And I think he's listening to the podcast because he's making a, a big deal about how analytics doesn't work in football. All right. Moving on to uh, pretty much probably – uh, the number one team in the country preseason, uh, the team everyone expects to, at the very least, uh, go undefeated in the regular season. It's Clemson. And when you talk about Clemson, it's obviously Trevor Lawrence. But don't sleep on the defense. I think the defense is uh, not only really good, but it's also led by probably the best assistant um, coach in all the, all the land, um, uh, Brett Venables. They lost a ton of talent in the in the um, draft, as most right. big time teams do. But for a team that just constantly, you know, rebuilds, I, I kind of think of, you know, the Pete Carroll USC days, where you uh, where Ray Malaluga and Brian Cushing and those guys leave, and then right behind it are guys like Keith Ellison and and you know just really um, uh, talented players that have been sitting behind those guys for a couple years. I don't expect any competition from anybody in the ACC. I think this is a 13-0 team. They'll be the number one or two seed, depending on how things shake out other ways. Um, I am I, afraid to bet Clemson because I do believe the lines are going to be so high. But right. there will be a game um, that we talked about before the podcast. Is, I was very impressed to see Clemson at Notre Dame. They'll have to do that early on. Um, I expect Clemson to win that game. I think they will win that game, but that's a that's a good out of conference um, get for them. 
that's going to be a good game. But like I said, I do expect Clemson to win. So I expect Clemson to be 13-0. and um, And like I said, I, I think they're the best team in the country. But I also thought that last year and then some guy named Joe Burrow kind of stole the show. Right. Now, what you got to look at is that uh, it, the offensive coordinator at Clemson is now the head coach at the University of South Florida. And, and both of them have that whole – it's funny because it was one of his rivals. They have that whole Steve Spurrier philosophy where you play basic football eight games out of the year, and you just have more talent than eight teams. And then three teams you kind of strategize for. And the way this program is going, they have a package, right, for those three teams, and they have a package for the ACC title game. And they have a package for the first playoff game. And they have a strategy for what they want to do in the national title. Right? And this is a big misnomer people have. Coaches don't game plan the week of the game. <laughs> They're doing it right now. They actually already started. right? Game plan for people. That's why when you have a Hall of Fame coach, right, who's won a national title like Mac Brown, I made money picking Bank Brown to cover that game, right? Because you got to respect these people. Uh, Mac Brown said a great quote. Uh, it was probably the best $20 I've ever spent. And it's probably because it was a long time ago. But I spent $20 to go to a luncheon where they had, um, and you can go to Harvey Hyde's for 20 bucks, man. You can pay $20, and I think it's 20 bucks for the whole year. You go and you have lunch in Pasadena at the Pasadena Touchdown Club. I think now it's like 20 bucks a time. And you hear, uh, you know, Clay Helton talk, right? So this was before the Rose Bowl, and it was a 10-minute talk by Mac Brown and Pete Carroll. And Mac Brown came up. It was very interesting what he said. He's like, Pete and I are going to play for the national championship, but we're not playing for the national championship that game. Both of us have coached for 30 years. This is 60 years of coaching that led up to that game. So you got a guy like Mac Brown who's been coaching 50 years. That's why he covered, and actually they should have beat Clemson. Then they blew like a two-point conversion. But, hey, it was plus 15 Clemson at Mac Brown. It's like taking candy from a baby, right? If you say plus 15, Vegas is covering his ass because it's a key number 14, right? So that's what you look at it. But remember, you turn to the mean, so they'll probably blow out uh, – North Carolina, and that line might be, what, minus two? I'm like, okay, I'm going Clemson, right? So I'm picking the Clemson-North Carolina game on June 26th. And that's a game that's not going to be played until... I think that... I don't think they play. They don't even play. It's expected to be the ACC championship. I think North Carolina... So they're going to blow them out. Yeah, they'll blow them out in the ACC championship. Um, the game yeah. that, that, that's being played in uh, November, and I'm picking it on June 26th. But that's how you do that, because you offload your brain, you put it on Evernote, and you start picking games. Uh, Clemson, like he's saying, is plug and play. All their defensive linemen end up in the NFL, right? You win the game on the line of scrimmage, and he has a juggernaut. Uh, Lawrence is going to be uh, the top-rated quarterback in the NFL. Remember, key statistics, right? Analytics is not working football, but you can use key statistics. And one is that we want a lot of money, Lamar Jackson. If a 
quarterback can get three first downs with his legs. He went 70% of the time. He's not going to have to do that during the season, but he'll do that in those key games we're looking at. And really the key game they're looking at is Florida State. Florida State, because Florida State has a lot of talent, and they want to recruit in the state of Florida. The state of Florida has, what, 800 Division I athletes coming out of there every, every uh, year. But Clemson wants to be in the mix for that top 50 guys coming out of Florida. So look for Clemson to have another Clemson-like year. And since they lost the national title game, uh, look for them to cover maybe not the first playoff game, but definitely the second one to get through. So that's your Clemson Tigers. Moving on, um, it will be uh, the aforementioned Florida State criminals or Seminoles, however you want to look. Go with all the criminals. Uh, the one thing on. that does jump out to me, um, obviously, Mike Norvell's uh, coming from Memphis. But for Florida State, they have 17 returning starters. That's huge. Um, and then they also do have junior quarterback James Blackman, who maybe isn't great, but he's, he's kind of a steady Eddie. Uh, he, he protects the ball, game manager. He does um, – he's a junior. He's already started 23 games, so do you have that veteran leadership. Uh, the most passing yards in Florida State history, which actually kind of was very surprising to me, and he also has the most touchdown passes. So there is some – there is that talent and maybe that uh, base that Norvell can build off of. But the thing that jumps out at me reading about this team is their struggles on the offensive line. We talk about teams like Clemson. We talk about other really good teams, even Miami. They, they've built teams knowing that, hey, if we're above average on both sides of the line, we'll be just fine because these other kids will figure it out. But it, you need to be above average on the line in the ACC or you're going to lose a lot. And that's a problem I think that Mike Norvell is going to have to deal with. with well, but this is the thing, and I think Mike Norvell is going to be able to – mitigate this, even though he's had problems, uh, is, is Willie Taggart, right? So Willie Taggart made the same mistake he made when he got to uh, South Florida. He tried to put a uh, square peg in a round hole. Because of the heat in Florida. <laughs> oh, here we go. And the reason I mentioned of it is because <laughs> we're making so much money doing this. But he, he's like, oh, no, not the weather again. The weather. We make a lot of money. So what happens with offensive linemen is they lose too much weight during the season. And uh, Willie Taggart comes from – and it's interesting because the guy that saved Willie Taggart's career, really, because he's had a losing record without Dick Tomey dictating what goes on in offense. Because he goes to Oregon, they were at 500 and had a losing record, and then he goes to Florida State and they had a losing record. And he had two years of a losing record before Dick Tomey came to Florida – University of South Florida, and switched off the blocking schemes to a more lighter scheme because the spread that Norvell runs in, in Daytona brought the spread to USF is one where it's kind of like zone blocking. Where isn't that power, right? Because uh, I hate to call him this, but Willie Taggart is a one-trick pony that only knows how to run that Jack Jim Harbaugh power offense, right? But you can't run a power offense where your offensive lineman is losing 40, 50 pounds a game. I mean, thank you for doing it. And it's bought a lot of gasoline, me predicting that you can change your... Brandon first, right, has more mental agility 
Nah, I mean, they, they really tagger. Sorry, Willie, because he has the capacity to change. Willie does it. And uh, he does, I mean, it's the same system. Let's have an early spring practice so everybody can lift. And it can work for Michigan because Michigan is in the Midwest and they can bring in 15 guys that are 6'7, 390 pounds. Just walking around. With ripped. Yeah, no, they're ripped. You look at them, 6'7, 390, bench pressing 1,000 pounds, running four fives, right? But you can't recruit those type of guys everywhere and florida state has the same type guys the only thing is that when it's 100 degree heat 90 percent humidity you just lose a lot of weight and you can't just run that power every five minutes right so even though they had a great running game and they did they just lost because uh that system just does not work in the south so that worked for him in the midwest so now with norvell he comes from uh his claim to fame was the offensive coordinator with Arizona State and Graham, who run that 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 spread, right? So that spread, you don't need those big offensive linemen blowing people off the line. They do, but after they spread the guys out and made the defensive linemen run around, they're tired. Then you can get in a phone booth and then run, right? Now, why is all this important? Because you start thinking about over-unders, right? You start thinking, okay, spread, okay, this is how this game's going to go over when teams get worn down, and then in the fourth quarter, it gets kind of out of control. So you got to start looking at that. So I think he's got to fix that problem with the offensive line. I think the problem that he has is that the team revolted against him. So as long as he can bring the team back together, Willie Taggart is uh, a great recruiter, and he's a great uh, developer of talent. So he has to stack team to do well. It's going to be his first year there. Uh, first two games is going to be fine. Boise State, it'll be, it'll be interesting if they move the game out of there or actually if they cross the country and go there. Uh, NC State and then that Clemson game is going to be very, very interesting because Norvell has been studying Clemson, right, for months. So probably, to be honest, Florida State's only been practicing for Clemson this whole time. So that game's going to be very, very, very interesting. Right? So that Clemson uh, Florida State game, look for a high line and look for Florida State, the criminals, to cover that game. Remember, we don't care who wins the game. Right? So you say, oh, no, Clemson's going to, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. But you give me what? Plus 29. Plus 29, Clemson on Florida State. Florida State's covered. You know what? This is what happened. It'll start at plus 29. And uh, Dave Pomeroy will say, pound Clemson. Suddenly, Brandon First and I are sitting on, on plus 38. <laughs> well, and, and I go back to last year. I mean, the, the easiest money I made last year was Rutgers plus 52 and a half against right. Ohio State. You know how hard it is to cover 52 and a half points? Right. I mean, you well, got to be up 42 the, the, the nothing was... at half. Or you got to be up 42 points at half to yeah. be anywhere near that. And it was like 31-7 at half. And I was like, okay, perfect. That's a win. Let's focus. I think that game ended like 52 to 7 or something. Yeah, it was. And it was. It, they, it did get a little like, uh-oh. But it was. Yeah, it but was, it was easy. You know, and, and those are the games, I, I call them the, the free spots in bingo. 
Like, there are out there. Vegas wants you to win because Vegas wants you to come back. They don't want you to win as much as we're letting you win, but they're always the ones that are out there that are going to make it. It's it's the kiss. My dad always used to say it. You know, you're at the slot. He says, the minute you say, oh, okay, last spin, and then we're leaving, you're going to win that one because – that just wants to keep it, keep you there. That's why they comp you the rooms and stuff like that. Sports are no different. Vegas is no different. Here's a breadcrumb for you. Here's a breadcrumb. Now give me your mortgage. But we don't do that here. Um, and and that's, yeah, bro, that's you only bet twenty five percent on your bankroll. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if we're com- confident about that game, we'll take twenty percent of the bankroll. Go go to plus twenty eight, and then take five because we know that the all this talent that Florida State has, and this is the only team they're practicing for. This is the only team they're studying is Clemson, right? Because that game means so much. They might win that game. You never know. And Clemson can afford that loss and go on and still be in the playoffs because of how well they've done. And because they have the number one pick and for marketing reasons, the guy's a good-looking guy, Christian guy, going to be the number one. So he's great for marketing reasons that they want Clemson. You know, faith, family, football. They want faith family football in the playoffs. So they can afford to lose that game. And that would be a big game for Florida State to win. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they're going to cover a big line. And just wait for Dave Pombroy to give his Clemson pick and, and, and increase because, again, that's probability theory, right? The probability theory is straight out of the mathematical world. So that is your Florida State betting preview. Uh, look for them to not cover Miami. Definitely. Definitely not clever against the Gators. Because that team is going to be better stacked and they have a good coach. We're going to be uh, moving on to Louisville. Uh, the Cardinals actually, uh, it wasn't Dabo Sweeney last year. It wasn't Mac Brown last year who won ACC Coach of the Year. It was Scott Satterfield who won eight games with Louisville. Uh, most people last year thought they were going to be kind of like Boston College last year, a three- or four-win team. They end up getting it done. Um, A lot of the reason why – I just talked about it last time – is the offensive line. They lose – or they had the 11th overall pick, um, Mekhi Becton, who who was drafted 11th overall, big tackle. He was a big reason why it makes things easier, makes the offense gel a little bit easier when you have an offensive line. Uh, Captain, like Becton, obviously that's gone. He's out of there. Um, the big question, I believe, for Louisville, if they want to win eight games again, will be if they can run, um, let's see, uh, uh, Javian Hawkins. He was a kid. He's a sophomore. Uh, freshman year, I think he had one or two touches of the ball. Last year, he was kind of put into a situation where they needed him to perform, and he did that. He rushed for over 1,500 yards. Was that an aberration? Or uh, now that they have film on him, is he going to uh, be able to adapt or are, are they going to stop him? Because if he can't rush for another 1,500 yards, this team's going to struggle. Um, they do have 15 returning starters. Of course, we are talking about one of them leaving. That was probably their best player. So there is that concern. Yeah, but this guy's one of those guys that does less with more. Mm-hmm. He did a great job at Appalachian State. Yep. That's, you know, it's an under, you know, a lot of people are moving to North Carolina in the Carolinas. So Appalachia State has a bigger population to recruit, and it's a, it's a good academic school. Uh, but he, this guy's a great coach. He knows how to do more with less. So whatever happens, he knows how to scheme, how to game plan. Uh, he's scheming and game planning right now. 
And this is the most talent he's ever had, probably, at Louisville. He's a great uh, recruiter. He's a great judge of talent. So this is a guy who's covered a lot of spread. And then the Sun Belt. Sun Belt's one of my favorite conferences. Uh, it has a lot of great coaches, and they have a lot of great players that played at uh, Power 5 schools, and they got kicked out for whatever reason. They go to the Sun Belt, and these guys uh, coach them up. You get a lot of these guys in the NFL like this guy does. So this guy, you've got to take a hard look at him when there's a big spread against him. Because he knows how to figure out a way to make it a one-possession game at the end of the season. He, they look really good when I saw them play uh, Notre Dame. And they covered for me against Notre Dame. It was too – see, a game like that, it's easy, right? Because you get a big line. You get the Notre Dame alumni with all this money to burn. And, they, and they, you know, Dave Pomeroy picks Notre Dame, and then suddenly the line jumps. Right, so you got a guy like Stutterfield. He he covered easy for me. Then it was like uh, twenty four plus twenty four. It was thirty five seventeen, and obviously they played a lot better than what the score indicated. But I, it didn't matter. I cashed my ticket, and you're gonna see a lot of that. Like that second game of the season at Clemson, after playing uh, North Carolina State, you gotta look for the, the guy like that to cover against Clemson. Because remember. Salesman thinks short-term, businessman thinks long-term. Clemson's thinking playoffs. They're thinking national championship. They're playing basic football. We, we can beat Louisville playing basic football. We can just run over them and then uh, play well on defense in our basic sets. Louisville, on the other hand, <coughs> are studying them right now. <laughs> yep. Like, okay, what is, what, you know, what, what are the bells and whistles we can come up second game of the season? to pull up a monumental upset and get our program to the next level. So that's why those games are closer, right, than normal. you got to remember, there's going to be no fans in the stands. So a lot of these games, right, where they're playing basic football and they're looking for the crowd to give them a little bit of an edge, it's not going to happen. And then you got a guy, like, it, it is not that this Satterfield's a better coach than Dabble Sweeney, is that Devil Sweeney doesn't have to do what this guy has to do or scheme the way this guy has to scheme to get his team to come out with outcomes on a higher level. So you got to look for this guy to cover in games like that, that situation. Uh, a team like this, though, you do have to look at who's hurt. And like Brandon First is saying, they return 17 guys with their best players out. So if another good player is out, then that's then that's when you have to make a decision and you gotta look at the line. But look for these big line swings uh, when Clemson's playing. I agree. Uh, I I think there's just gonna be big heavy lines and they're gonna cover a couple, but I think I think they're gonna end up being a six and six team against the spread. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you look at Moving. a team like when they played Boston College. Mm -hmm. You got a good coach against a, maybe a very depressed Boston College team that might be like 0-5 at that point. Hammer the line with Louisville. Yeah. Moving on, uh, we got NC State. This oh, is another a... thing I forgot about Louisville. Oh, okay. Go for it. Uh, Brianna Taylor was killed in Louisville. 
We always got to look at natural disasters, a little bit of an edge, especially when they're at home. Uh, the, the refs are going to give them the calls. Uh, all these cities have had shootings or big riots and stuff like that. Remember, sports is supposed to take their mind away from that, and the refs know it. So, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. It's a really good point. NC State uh, is next up. This is a really a team that the first storyline for me is the hot seat of the coach. Uh, right. Dave Doran has been there for, I believe this will be a seventh or eighth year. He's probably one of the, I guess, probably most successful they've had. They weren't very good last year. They do have t- only 12 returning starters. One of those returning starters is running back Bam Knight. Um, he's a guy, he's kind of a think. Now, obviously, he's not on the Darren Sproles level, but he's a little bit bigger than Sproles, but he's kind of that scat back type guy. He's 5'9", five, five about 180. Um, he looks the part, um, but once again, we come back to, is it a one-year wonder? <laughs> um, they got film on him. What happens then? He has to be the guy, um, or he has to be a part of this offense. And another big struggle for NC State is, they have probably about five or six, seven wide receivers. They don't know who's even the top two or three. They're hoping that top-rated prospect, um, who actually name, of course, I didn't write down for the second time. Um, he, they're hoping he actually uh, is the one that can come in and start right away or at least help NC State. Here, hold on. Let me pull up his name. Um, they're hoping he can come in and help an offense that really isn't, isn't, bad but needs to be better I can tell you that right now and this is a different you know NC State team than what um you would have expected 10 years ago you know 12 years ago 14 years ago when you had Philip Rivers um it's it's obviously a run heavy team now because of Bam Knight and the fact that they don't really have a great wide receiver um but that that kid is uh Porter Rooks they're hoping Porter Rooks a uh, true freshman can come in, but if you're relying on a true freshman to come in, um, you're you're probably already behind the eight ball, and I think that's exactly the case with NC State. Yeah, you look at they were one, two, three, four, and two to start the season, and then they go on a huge losing streak, right? Mm-hmm. So when a team does that, it's because they lack depth, and as a staff, they have not done a good job recruiting. They bring in Tim Beck as the offensive coordinator. He's good. But, uh, he I mean, two things could help him. Maybe he won't get fired because of the pandemic. But he's behind the eight ball because of the pandemic because he didn't have a spring practice to develop depth. Yeah. And depth obviously was their problem last year. When you go and you lose so many games at the back end of the season, it means that a key cog somewhere – was uh, was hurt, and they just kept losing. Uh, the defense was horrible, but then you look at their offense, they weren't scoring any points at all. So it, it's going to be tough for them. I mean, in the start, it's not going to be good for their psyche. Uh, coming off a bad year, you need to come up to a fast start at Louisville against uh, Satterfield. Uh, that's going to be tough. It's almost like a must-game situation. Then Mississippi State with Mike Leach at home, uh, must-game. Troy, 
Troy is one of those teams that has just as much talent. Believe it or not, as much talent as anybody in the country. But it's raw talent. It's people that have been kicked out of Power 5 schools, guys who... Uh, were five stars in high school and shot someone and then they were in jail for five years and then they come out. Hey, they're a physical specimen. The guy's been in jail for five years sprinting. Right? He's a great player. He's just raw and combining that time. But Troy can pull it together for one game, get everybody on his own page, and they can beat anybody, right? So those three games, they have to be uh, at least two and, two and one going into that Florida State game. Uh, because if they're 0 and 3 and they beat Delaware, they're 1 and 3, they'll lose to Florida State. Uh, they'll beat Duke and then they'll lose to Clemson. Then they'll beat Wake Forest. They can't, they have a chance to beat Boston College and then Syracuse, Liberty, and North Carolina. So they do have a chance, right? It's almost like dumb and dumber. You mean they have a chance? They do have a chance, but those first three games are going to be crucial from a mental standpoint because they're going to lack depth and they can hang in there, right? But there has to be some sort of um, psychological factors keeping them going because if they're 0 3, 1 3, 1 4 after the, the Florida State game going to Duke, it's not going to be good news for him because at that point, uh, the athletic director is making phone calls on his, you know, five people, five coordinators out there to replace them. And it, it is a, a good job in terms of you get three to four million dollars a year to coach, be a head coach. So there, there'll be a lot of people wanting that job. Post pandemic. Yep. I agree. Moving on to uh, Syracuse. This is uh, a team. I talked about on my baseball podcast the, the, the plexiglass principle in terms of you see a team do well, uh, but eventually they're going to kind of come back, hence the plexiglass. I think that's probably the case here. Uh, that happened last year with Syracuse, team that two years ago kind of shocked a lot of people, uh, won 10 games, thought, hey, maybe this is the return of, you know, maybe the old, what, Donovan McNabb Syracuse games. Really didn't happen last year. Uh, another mediocre year, back to normal. Uh, but as I did talk about with Syracuse, for a team that is probably going to be involved in a lot of close games, now maybe not the Clemsons or uh, others, but they, they're going to they, be – They almost beat Clemson two years in a row. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I two years ago, that was that was a whole different – that was a – might have been – last, last year they were in it until uh, their quarterback threw a pick six that kind of deflated them. Well – yeah, anyways, but they're going to be in most games. Um, and with that, they have, like I said, the the, the returning Lou Groza Award winner, which is the best kicker in college football, Andrew Schmidt. Um, and that's key. Like I said, just to be in a tight game, um, tie game, down by one or two points, you know, hey, we get to the 20-yard line. We're going to kick that field goal. We're going to win the game. We don't have to worry about that part of it. Um, ask Florida State what it's like to have a reliable kicker late in the game. I'm sure they would absolutely love it. That hasn't happened in a while. But I will also say, looking at their schedule, watch out for Liberty. They 
are going to have their hands full with Liberty. I think the line is going to be very heavily favored towards we Syracuse. Won, yeah, we won Liberty in the bowl mm-hmm. game. Yes, we did. I, I we're the only two people in America that won. I game. guarantee you Liberty covers that spread. Uh, we don't keep an eye on the money is. line. We're already picking it. Yeah, I know. You're right. I, I, but I went down there, and I told myself not to pick any games, but I saw that. And it's, it's, it's not an opening game. It's, it's kind of in the middle. Um, I could see Syracuse being 0-3 or whatever. I, I lost kind of track of it, but they could be so. struggling. I don't think so, and I'll tell you what. Hugh Freeze, I mean, that guy, that guy, that guy was wheeled in in a gurney in a press box to coach a game, folks. Right. Um, so that's something to watch out to for. I guarantee guy. you, I guarantee you Liberty covers. They might do the money line, but early, early little pick right there. Um, but I agree we'll with that. Happens. I agree with that for a few reasons because they're playing – that's after the Louisville game, which was a conference game. And then they play Liberty non-conference. So you got to look heavily at Liberty. Uh, Dino Babers, right? You got, like, when you pick a stock, you got to pick the management. Dino Babers comes from that giant. Right, and he has done well with that offense at Syracuse. He almost beat Clemson twice. However, he has uh, the worst offensive coordinator in the history of USF football, and Sterling Gilbert. That we were all finished shocked that he got the job, head coaching job at McNeese State over there with Houston Baptist in our. Faith and Family Football Podcast. And thank you for all the people downloading that podcast like crazy. I guess people are so football hungry. But it's a great podcast with Houston Baptist Football. Air Raid, its office of coordinators, you know, best friends with Clint Clemsbury, the, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And they got DeAndre Hopkins, right, with that Air Raid offense. Uh, but it's the same offense. That Air Raid it's the same office Dino Babers is running. I imagine he understands that Sterling Gilbert is stupid and that he's really going to be – maybe Sterling Gilbert is just a prop. He's really running the offense. Yeah, it probably is. It does seem like Dino Babers is a control maniac. Uh, he has a hard time. This, I think he's already had claims against him. Uh, he has a hard time. He abuses his uh, assistant coaches. So he has a first-year defensive coordinator, first-year Sterling Gilbert. Obviously, he got fired as the head coach. He's in over his head over there in the SES against, you know, the Houston Baptists of the world. He was going to get fired as a USF uh, offensive coordinator as he took a, an offense that was, you know, 500 yards a game, 10-1 offense, and completely ran it to the ground. Now I see him at Syracuse. But Dino Bean versus an offensive guy, you think he'll do it well. Uh, they'll beat Boston College, right? Because Dino Beavers has been there for a while as a more developed team. Rutgers is going to be interesting, but they're transitioning. Remember, they're transitioning in the middle of uh, pandemic recession, riots. Colgate, their uh, FCS school, they should beat them. Even if, because I'm seeing some FC, uh, FCS teams shutting down football for the year. So if Colgate 
And COVID, Col- Colgate's, Colgate's not school. playing that game. No <laughs> yeah, they're an Ivy League school. Then you got Western Michigan. Western Michigan is in the Sun Belt or Conference USA. Uh, they have a decent team, but they should beat them. And then Louisville. And then Liberty. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting for them. Uh, look for games to go over. Right? Look for games to go over with Syracuse playing. And pay attention to what the heck's going on with Sterling Gilbert, uh, one of the worst offensive coordinators in the history of college football. He never was an offensive coordinator until he got to uh, USF. Oh, actually, he was. He was with Charlie Strong when Charlie Strong destroyed the Texas program. So he had two horrible years uh, tearing down the Texas program. (laughs) Then we, they went down to USF to tear down that program. <laughs> so you're talking about four years, five years, because McNeese State, he went to McNeese State toward them down. So, it's, you know, I feel fortunate for him, and I'm happy for him that we live in the greatest country in the world. He keeps getting jobs, <laughs> four, five, six $600,000 a year, but failing, though. The results, his results have not been in alignment with his salary. But hey, it's something we can monetize and we can mention because obviously there's an inefficiency there. Well, and remember, we talk about it all the time on the podcast. The money that we cashed from the Super Bowl was the exact same color and was the exact same value as the money that we cashed at 11.30 on Wednesday night, pretty much (laughs) the last sporting event we bet on, Washington State. Um, so yeah, the, you know, we got the bit, the most heavily bet on sporting event. We got that. And then we got the one that probably us and like four other people bet on, but we got everything from, from those all the way around every single bit right. of that spectrum. If, if and we it's, monitor it's Stern and Gilbert, right? Because it's in our top 10 rules of betting where we lay out, you bet equal amounts on every game. And if you feel it, cause we all feel it, right? And there's no such thing as a lot, but we feel it. You never bet more than 25% of your bankroll. Never do that. So, if we see Sterling Gilbert not covering every game and we go uh, 10 and 0, or like remember when Cleveland wasn't covering any game, <laughs> it went uh, 16 and 0 with Cleveland, right? Because analytics isn't working football. Uh, and you bet equal amounts on those games. Sterling Gilbert against Colgate, right? The money is just as green as the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Money you pay equal amounts and that's how we run this as a business right and we enjoy watching it we enjoy watching the, the super bowl because we already won we already have a built-in profit and we're not betting any more money on the super bowl than the washington state game all right so we're having fun watching football making money watching sports that's that's the philosophy around it. Versus uh, Dave Pontroy. Stocks always go up. Well, no, no, man. We give you the truth here. It's not a, 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 a quick uh, a quick get rich scheme. It's uh, having fun watching games. Well, that's the thing. You know, and, and you're going to watch these games anyway. Might as well make some money off of it, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. Why not? Why not? Moving on um, to the final team of the uh, ACC Atlantic is the Wake Forest 
Demon Deacons. Um, this is a program that's on the rise, um, but it's still a long way to go. This is the, the ACC. If you take the ACC or if you take Clemson out of the ACC, I, I don't know if the ACC is even a power five conference in all honesty, um, but Wake Forest has to improve defensively. They gave up a lot of big plays last year. A concern for me was how, how much they struggled last year with injuries. Well, this year, obviously, you're going to have uh, – you have no spring workouts. You're probably going to have less trainers right. there on staff with this whole corona stuff going on. So a, a team that struggles with injuries this year um, is probably going to struggle with it even more so. It really bit Wake Forest in the butt last year. Um, they could have done a lot better last, uh, than they were, did last year if they didn't have the injuries. Unfortunately, that's only going to get worse this year, I believe. A solid, you know, kind of bright spot is quarterback Sam Hartman. Um, he was great as a true freshman two years ago, but missed all of last year with a broken leg. He returns this year. Let's see how he does. Um, he's obviously, look, you know, broken leg, rehabbing last year. You still work the mind. You still have right. that time in the system. You still know where the players are, you, the film. It's difficult. It's frustrating. Nobody likes to practice 365 days a week or a year and not play, but he had to. And if he had the right mindset, which if you're a true freshman, you go in, you're successful. I think you have the right mindset. But if he does – then um, I think Wake Forest is in good hands. Like I said, though, the defense must improve for them to be taken seriously in the ACC. Yeah, a team like that, just a developmental team, you got to look at their uh, top 44. And you look at them, it's all freshmen. Yeah. Sophomores. And a developmental team needs time to develop. So no spring practice. You got to start looking at those lines, right? Because contrarians will say, well, Vegas has a big thing there, right? Then I would I would say, well, common sense is so common. And we've been making money consistently over 12 years for a reason. Okay. All right. So there might not be big thing there. We don't know. But we're going to find out. And things really can get out of hand in the second half. So you start looking at second half lines. And teams that were bad and, and a lot of uh they're talking about baking stuff in a lot of uh books and a lot of uh casinos are using supercomputers and analytics to come up with lines and the, all those are completely irrelevant because none of them have uh playing the season without spring practice right so we've been watching just as much football as the bookmakers and they're gonna make a decision what to bake in, what not, and so are we. <laughs> yeah. Right? So I think Wake Forest, and you know, and you look at Wake Forest, and it's a political type of situation because there's only 10,000 students, and, and you know, as opposed to Syracuse, it has like 60,000 students, right? Uh, rich alumni base, very small alumni base, but they're, you know, they're getting that big TV money from Wake Forest just to show up, <laughs> get blown up by Duke and basketball. Get blown up by Clemson and football. Uh, so these are one of these teams that I think are going to be extra bad. Maybe not cover ever. I think at Appalachian State, nope, that's going to be an interesting game. What the line is on that? Because now Appalachian State, they're going to be so motivated to play them. It's a big game for them. 
and they might have a talent advantage, and they might even be a dog in that game to begin with. So I agree. Found that Appalachian State line early. All righty. Moving on uh, to the Coastal Division, we got uh, Duke Blue Devils. Uh, David Cutliffe. He's similarly to uh, Dorner at NC State, firmly on the hot seat. Arguably, um, I think Georgia Tech was technically worse offensively, but Duke was offensively out of all the Power Five. I mean, inept. It was Georgia Tech has their reasons, and we'll get to that in a moment. But um, last year, it pretty much forced David Cutliffe to fire the OC and take the reins back. This is kind of almost a Bill O'Brien situation of, hey, this is my last chance to save my job. I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm taking over. Um, obviously, David Cutliffe, when he got to Duke to where we are now, um, he's got a lot to be proud of because Duke was a laughing stock, um, and now Duke is not as much of a laughing stock. Uh, it's, it's not anywhere near where they want to be, but um, they're, they're making bowl games, and that's nice. But the thing that pops out to me beyond, besides, the def, uh, besides the offense is they have to improve on a negative 11 turn, turnover differential. You're not going to win games um, when you're in the uh, negatives. When you do it for a whole season, you, you're, you should be happy you get four or five wins. I mean, negative 11 turnover differential over an entire season, that's, that has to improve. Um, and I, I expect David Cutliffe, like I said, this is going to be the, the uh, crazy man running out as his last stand, um, just trying to do whatever he can to keep his job. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but I don't have a whole lot of faith in the situation, honestly. Yeah. Oh, David Cutliffe has won me a lot of money covering spreads because he's a great coach. He's a great uh, uh, strategist. This is uh, Peyton Manning's mentor, right? Yes. Uh, he was his office coordinator. At when Tennessee? They won. Yeah. And he, I think he won a national championship with uh, Fulmer when they had T. Martin, who was the yep. office and, coordinator at uh, USC. Yep. And yeah, he was uh, Manning's uh, offensive coordinator. And then the, his brother had him at uh, Ole Miss. Uh, and he did well. You remember the dad, Archie Manning, played at Ole Miss. So Cutler knows football. Archie Manning. Yeah. I know. I'm just... <laughs> yeah, so David Cutler was a great strategy. He covers a lot of spreads, uh, he's a great dog. In the right situation, and coming off a losing year, uh, you start looking at his offensive line, and I think as long as they don't get injuries, right? Uh, his is he's a pro guy, so his left tackle is six four two ninety five sophomore, right? So he's good there. Left guard six two three ten, right? So they got a good chance to controlling the clock, keeping the other team off there, and. Uh, because that's the way he has to do. He has to win it with offense and play d- basic defense and maybe uh, lure the other team into turnovers. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, big game for them early in the season. They win. They get some good juices. Uh, Elon, if Elon even shows up to play Charlotte, so they should be three and zero going to uh, another great uh, strategist who, had, you know, these teams in the ACC, these Northeastern teams. They have a hard time recruiting, right? Because a lot of kids rather go to USF or go to UCF 
then, then go to the cold in Pitt, right? Or go to the cold in Boston College or go to the cold in, um, in Pittsburgh, right? So uh, he has a, a great chance to be 5-0 and going into that NC State game. And all things being equal, there's always an edge on uh, David Cutler, right? But Vegas knows that. So you got you got to look at. You really do have to look at Duke's injuries on their offensive line before picking their games. And then they're a momentum team. So if they get on a roll, they're going to be a, play above their talent level because they're sky high because they're winning when they're not supposed to. And remember, all things being equal, uh, David Cutliffe is one of those guys that are married to football. Maybe during football he sleeps like one or two hours, and the rest of the time. He's watching film like uh, Andy Reid, and he's always, whether he even goes blown out, he's always going to have a schematic advantage. And since he's an offensive coach, all things being equal, and I hate using corporate stuff, I hate it in corporate world, we're like, apples to apples. But in this case, all things being equal, apples to apples, uh, David Cutliffe is going to make the game go over. And another, right, caveat about offensive guys, they could be down like 45 to nothing, and he's still trying to score to make the games go over. So that's what you got to look at, these, uh, these Duke games. Remember, they lack depth, so these games go over as well. Yep. All right, moving on to uh, Georgia Tech. Now, this is, this is interesting for Georgia Tech. Obviously, up until a couple years ago, Georgia Tech was pretty much the only Power 5 conference that – ran the triple option, Paul Johnson. Right. Um, They're moving away from that. And one of the biggest problems moving away from that isn't necessarily the quarterback or the wide receiver position. It's the offensive line. Because when you have a triple option attack, you need your offensive linemen to be incredibly agile. Uh, they're, they're pulling a lot, pretty much every play. Um, and when that happens – that isn't a big offensive line. So with uh, Georgia Tech, last year offensive line, their average height was like 6'1", 245 pounds. We talked about what, what you need in the ACC, and you need to be a lot bigger than that. Georgia Tech is obviously transitioning away from that. I think they're a couple years away. If you also look at their schedule, even just non-conference, they got Notre Dame. They have a couple other really tough games. They're not the – you're not getting the Ellens or the Elons or whatever. Um, they're they're going to be playing really, really tough. Um, this team was so bad last year. Uh, I looked at two games that, that jumped out to me. Talked about how bad Duke was offensively. Well, this team gave up 41 points to him. And uh, they also lost to the Citadel in overtime. Nice. Um, the Citadel. Yeah. Let's take a moment to bring that in. Um, so this is another team that's – trying to move away from obviously the triple option, but they're doing it in a way that's kind of ugly. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a laughing stock. Uh, there's definitely money to be made in on this team. Um, I, I do think though, they are going to be certain games. Josh, you talk about a lot, the recruiting games um, and stuff like that. I do think right. they will shock one game, one or two games um, that they will be able to go out. I know that they play, let me see, 
Notre Dame, I believe, in – here, let me see. Yeah, they played Notre Dame at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I believe that's uh, Atlanta. So that will be technically a neutral site, but a, but obviously in Atlanta it will be very close to campus. I could see that being their recruiting game um, and them shocking the world against Notre Dame. Um, now, I could see at the very least they cover. I think they could cover that game. It's going to be a heavy number. Uh, yeah, I think the pandemic is going to make a lot of these games cover like this. Mm-hmm. Because everything's so weird and different. Well, and, and we go to the Atlanta. You talked about the Breonna Taylor. You know, the Atlanta has had their things exactly. as well. Um, and, and you're, you're going to see those. But overall, I mean, look. they it, it you got a coach like this, a guy who uh, he's one of those never-say-die guys. So let's say they're 0-9. He's going to have that team up for that game. The other thing is that the same way he's the opposite of Cutleth in the sense that He's a great uh, strategist, but when it comes to defense, he's a defensive guy. So, on average, his games are going to go under. And if he's playing another defensive guy, it's going to go way under. I, uh, I couldn't bet it because it was my own team, but US, US, USF had more talent and beat them up and down. Too. The only reason they lost was because Charlie Strong was the coach, and he's just waiting to death to make other teams make mistakes, and he just didn't make that one aggressive move to win the game. Well, they actually did win. Uh, the USF guy got across the line. It was a touchdown. Uh, the Georgia Tech defensive players acknowledged it. And here comes the wrath out of nowhere, right? <laughs> right? And then they review You've it. have seen this before. <laughs> and then they reverse it. And, uh, that, and that won the game for Georgia Tech. But physically, uh, USF beat them, right? So... Uh, and Charlie Strong recruited well, so USF does have decent players, but you got to think he recruited well, and he's going to have these guys hyped up, right? So yeah, I agree with you in that game, that Notre Dame game. In Notre, in Notre Dame too, they're going to play basic football. They got bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Well, and the one thing I will say, uh, it really look, there's not a, any, there's never really a good time to play Clemson. Right. Um, but when you are playing them straight off, I mean, I, I believe it's September 2nd. I mean, that's uh, September 3rd. That's right there. So they're going to get blown out straight away. Um, it will be at we home. got to look at that game maybe going under. Let's see what that line is. Yeah. you got a great uh, strategist, just a defensive guy. And all he's doing, again, all summer or spring, late spring, is he now because he couldn't go anywhere? He's studying even more Clemson. He knows every single. And remember, Clemson does not have to game plan for Georgia Tech, right? You got a team that was being up and down the field by USF. Clemson does not have to. They, they're going to keep their plays in their pocket for when they play Alabama in the playoffs, not Georgia Tech first game of the season. And remember, like we said, that the, the money on these games are just as green as the Super Bowl. Dabble Sweeney is like, if we beat them 10 to nothing, 17 to nothing, it's a W. We're happy. He'll say, oh, we want ugly. Oh, we'll improve on the season. And we have long-term goals. Whatever, right? He doesn't care that you're the dumbass that picked the over 60. <laughs> he wants 17 to nothing. Hey, this might be a one, a game where you look at and you say, hey, I'm going to get 
parlays are for suckers. But you can say, hey, I'm going to take $100 and I'm going to put 80 on Georgia Tech under 70, right? Because you know he's a defensive coach and 20 on Georgia Tech. Plus 40. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the line. I mean, it's going right. to be 35 to 45. Um, it, I wouldn't. And you just it, wait for the Barstool bets to come on. Oh, yeah. And then they and just have Clemson covered. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see. That's for sure. And um, we'll, we'll moving on. You got anything else on uh, Georgia Tech? No, no, man. We can't give Perfect. the people more than that. Man. Oh yeah, we yeah. I mean, that was probably Georgia more Tech. than you needed to know about Georgia Tech. But no, uh, that's what I'm here to do. These are the teams because you got know, <laughs> yeah. We talked about it before. The backup bookmaker, right? Who's yeah, the, like the, the you know the son of the main guy. He's the one doing these like late at night, man. And sometimes you see because what the weight and, and it's it's the strategy that's used in picking stock and it's used by hedge fund managers making a million dollars a year, taking advantage of inefficiencies in the market. And we've been watching sports our whole lives. Brandon First and I have been watching sports a combined 80 years, right? So we can spot inefficiencies in the market through pattern recognition. So all of these are academic business concepts that we've been monetizing consistently over a long period of time. Exactly. And uh, moving on to uh, Miami, Miami Hurricanes. The, the, I don't – if you're going to look for a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde team last year, that was Miami. Um, they, they've probably – you go back to the bowl game. This was – that shows me a lot about Manny Diaz. Right. Um, he couldn't get his boys to play. They yeah. lost 14 nothing at uh, Louisiana Tech. They lost 27 to 17 to Duke. They lost 20, uh, 30 to 24 at Florida International. Those right. were their final three games of the year. At that point, they were looking like, hey, they're going to be the team that represents the um, coastal division. They're going to be the ones that probably get blown out by Clemson, but they get that extra game. They get the school money. And, and, and Manny Diaz just couldn't get these guys to beat Florida International and Duke. And then couldn't get a point against Louisiana Tech um, in the bowl game. And the one, I will say, problems they had last year, I think they stem a lot with the red zone scoring. They were only 72% in the red zone scoring period. That's right. not good at all. When you, when you leave 28% of your red zone possessions in no points, that's – you better have a really, really good defense or you're going to struggle. And believe me, Miami does not have that. Um, I really do think they should. They need to call uh, Manny Diaz. He needs to be called now up and down Diaz because he, he's just – he's up and down. His team – it seems almost like the, the U of the, the, the 80s and 90s, but not as good. They're, they're kind of crazy in the institution. What do they say? The, the, the inmates are running the asylum. Right. Um, but that was okay because they were winning national championships. This, this is happening, and they're losing to Florida International, and they're losing to Duke. That's a problem. I will give them one positive. Um, out of So they only have 12 returning starters, which isn't a ton, but all five offensive linemen are returning. I do expect Miami um, to rebound. 
I still expect them to be up and down, but I don't think they have the end of the year like they do. I think they are a team that could flirt with 10 wins, possibly could be uh, somebody who faces Clemson in the ACC title game. Could also see them winning six games and getting shut out again in a bowl game. So that's that's Florida or that's Miami in a nutshell these days. Yes, and, and one caveat I want to put, and I want to re- reiterate to people, one of the most important things you do in picking a stock is you analyze the management of the company. And I remember I had a fiance, she had $10 million of liquid assets and her dad ran a billion dollar hedge fund. And I used to go out with him and I, we actually used to meet the CEOs of the company and the board, we used to meet everybody to make an evaluation on the management. That's why we're gonna go heavy into this. Now, and we're gonna bring in a lot of disciplines, right? Because we read a lot of books, we're engaged, we meet interesting people here in Southern California. So you have a lot of good information for you to monetize. And one of uh, the things we'll get into, right? From an HR perspective is bias, right? Income inequality and bias. So, and decision science. So Manny Diaz, is Cuban, right? And I'm from Cuban heritage. So we have an inherent bias, right? And he's kind of like the Spaniard, kind of a white Cuban, and those guys end up being racist. So it's kind of a dual thing, right? Uh, another bias I have him is, uh, when I look at him, he's a Jared Kirshner type guy, because his dad was the mayor of Miami. So he's had a charmed life. He's one of those guys, uh, that rises through the ranks. I guess you can look at Norvell, you can look at the Willie Taggarts, guys like that, maybe even a John Calipari, where they're better recruiters than they are X's and O's coaches guys. But because of his dad, he does know how to manage, right? So he doesn't get involved, he does know how to manage. And he, from a management, salesman thinks short-term, businessman thinks long-term. He has a lot of outside business other than football, okay? Uh, and he, he, he enjoys football. And he likes the, the psychological factors. He's a great marketing guy, right? Uh, easily, if he wasn't coaching, he would be CEO of a company making 10 to $20 million a year. But he loves football. He's always been rich. And he is making like $6 million a year. So, uh, so he, he has a good balance of like, hey, you know, making $20 million and six is really isn't that much different. I'm going to have fun. So the turnover chain, right? He does good with that, with the turnover chain, and they did something for the offense. Uh, he understands that salesmen think short-term, businessmen thinks long-term. really does seem like he tanked the last end of the last season, like NBA teams and everybody. And he wants to be a hip guy, so he's always going to go with a trend. So he's with the trend of tanking, right? And I saw that in the NFL for the first time, where the NFL was tanking like the NBA. NFL always did it, but it was more subtle. Last year was very, very obvious. So it really seems like he tanked the last end of the season for this year. Genius hire and Rhett Lashley. Rhett Lashley is a faith family football guy. He makes a big deal out of being a Christian man. But so the, the guy who's at Liberty now who was caught with prostitutes. But I digress. This is how, this is just stick. Rhett Lashley, he was with, he was part of the, the guys that recruited um, Cam Newton. He got him the hidden uh, $100,000 to go to Auburn and they uh, win the national title. And then they go back to the national title a few years later and they lose to Jameis Winston, right? So he goes from Auburn 
to SMU and uh, that offense uh, averaged like 50 points a game. So he's a great offensive coordinator. Now they have DeAndre King from Houston, where people were saying he should win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he is a great talent, right? Usually guys like him are Lamar Jackson, right? Guys who can run, but are throwers. He's actually a passer. There's a difference between a passer and a thrower, right? He's a passer. Uh, it's going to be his fifth year. It's going to be an easy offense. It's a very juggernaut, spread-type offense, right? You see um, it's almost similar to the air raid. You see seven guys in the box. You run. You see eight guys in the box. You throw. Uh, the wide receiver and the quarterback uh, look for the same key, and then, boom, he throws them the ball. So it's it's an offense where they're – even though it's first year in the office, there's a lot of thinking going involved, and the man can flat out run, right? So he can take it to the house or throw a bomb. He has a really nice touch with a long ball. So I've seen him uh, play against USF, tear up our defense. So he's a great talent. He's a smart guy. So he's going to be there in Miami. And Manny defense is a defensive guy. So that defense is going to be uh, ready to go. He's recruited that defense. He was with Mark Reck. I was surprised that Reck didn't recruit uh, good talent on offense, but he was probably just, you know, Brady training. He's coached for years, super rich. You know, he's a faith family football guy too, man of faith. Uh, Manny Diaz is not. <laughs> he likes to have the wife and the girlfriend and a lot of money and travel the world. He's been a rich kid his whole life. So, but he has a great staff. Uh, Blake Baker, second year defensive coordinator. Their defense was legit last year. So I agree with the first analysis of Brandon first uh, that they'll win 10 games and they'll probably play Clemson in that ACC title game. It'll be interesting because he is good. Right now, see, Manny Diaz is not going to game plan against Clemson in the ACC title game a week before the game. He's doing it right now. So I'm sure, especially with the pandemic, extra time, He's dialing up something for him. So, another thing, this is the type of team that will cover the first half line and won't cover the second and look for these games to go under. Because even though they have some flash and dash on offense, they're, they're, they're keeping stuff. They keep it in their back pocket for the ACC title. Agreed. I don't think they play Clemson in the regular season, do they? No, no. They don't. It would be in the title game. There you go. Uh, moving on, we have uh, North Carolina, University of North Carolina. This, when you talk about North Carolina, it's obviously the first and foremost is Mac Brown. Came back. Uh, and I, I didn't expect much. Um, he's a good coach. I, I understand that. It's, I think there are certain schools – um, that it's just really hard to be good year in, year out because there is so much emphasis on other sports. And Duke and North Carolina kind of fall into that. I mean, it, it's basketball, 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 and then we'll worry about football. But all that other stuff, Mac Brown, I think, is the perfect guy to kind of – I don't think he'll be there too long because he's, he's a little older – but he's a guy that if he can kind of build the foundation 
who knows, maybe North Carolina in 5, 10, 12 years could be a, a team that's maybe top five, top 10. But currently right now, they're a good team with a great coach. They have 17 starters returning. I do feel a little concerned. Look, Appalachian State's a good team. But North Carolina should be beating Appalachian. If, if North Carolina wants to be where they want to be, they, ex- they should be expected to beat Appalachian State. So they're going to have to improve on that. Um, and to be honest, the, one of the best stories, I think, in college football last year was um, the play of All-American linebacker Chaz Sherratt. You, you see guys get drafted as quarterbacks. And they maybe go play wide receiver or safety. You don't see quarterbacks go become all-American middle linebackers. Could you imagine this guy, if he was a quarterback too, how tough this guy would be? But uh, anyways, so he's somebody that I've been keeping my eye on. And Mac Brown is one of those guys that you put a man in front of him and you let him watch you play football for 15 minutes, he's going to know how to get the most out of you. Um, And I think that's really key, like I said, for a team like North Carolina where budget-wise – the recruiting money is probably going to basketball. So they're going to have to do more with less. And I think Mac Brown is perfect. And I think he proved it last year outside of that one. I mean, if they wouldn't have lost Appalachian state, man, Mac Brown could have been coach of the, he was really. But Appalachian state is legit. They, well, they are, but, but, but even you got to agree, they, they, as good as Appalachian state is middle tier Power five schools should be beating them at home. Yeah, but you got to look at, right? You got to look at what's first year Mac Brown in there. And then look at, he started the year against South Carolina, Miami, Wake Forest, which was a conference game, and then Appalachia State. So during the summer, you got to say, okay, what's, what teams are we really focused on? So Appalachia State versus South Carolina, Miami, no. They're, they're focusing game plans against those teams. And they beat South Carolina. So they put a lot of effort in scheme-wise to beat uh, South Carolina. And they did beat Miami, right? And probably Miami had better talent than, than North Carolina. Now, Appalachia State put in their best plays against North Carolina. So you have mid-tier North Carolina players and plays against the, the best that Appalachia State has. So Appalachia State had a competitive advantage. What does that mean? That means I've made money off that game by cash for those reasons. All right. Now, coming off a loss to Appalachia State, I think that game was Clemson plus 28. That was like taking candy from a baby. Because Dave Pontenoy comes on there, oh, look for uh, look how horrible they looked against Appalachia State. They're gonna roll them, put boom. Easy money for us because why? We know, we know the management team. We know that the man has been coaching for forty years, won a national title. That's a lot of pride, and we know that during the summer he was planning plays for Clemson because that's a recruiting game. Because they listed Appalachian State, who cares? He'll go to a recruit's house and say, "Listen, we should have beat Clemson." Right? The recruit could care less of what happened to the Appalachian. So that's how we make money, man. Bottom line. And uh, this year, he's going to have a better team. Uh, they're doing great recruiting like crazy. 
Uh, that game against USF, I guess UCF rather, it's going to be a really good game. They're USF's rival. I really shouldn't even be picking USF, UCF games. I really don't. It's really clear. Um, for me, they're, they're you can't finish university because all the people can't finish in four years. They end up going six, seven years before they graduate. You can't finish you in Orlando. That's going to be a really good game. And UCF should have just as many good players in North Carolina. And after that, they play Auburn. Auburn Tigers. And Auburn Tigers is a stacked team, Gus Montblanc. Uh, so that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. North Carolina uh, games that could go either way. You got to look at their uh, depth. But I think uh, you're going to have a lot of depth because they've done so good at recruiting. And that's the thing. Matt Brown, off the bat, uh, did what Manny Diaz couldn't do, which maybe Manny Diaz uh, is himself scouting and correcting on a management level. Now he has a team, but he, he has a very well-managed team. He's got a great staff, great uh, plan for each part of the year. and But, yeah, he's definitely a guy that will let Appalachian State cover, right, for our purposes. And we'll cover the next week against uh, a team that was in the national title game. Why? Because salesmen think short-term, businessmen Things long term. That Clemson game has a lot more value than that after Wentz State game. But the money's just green on both those games for us. And then you lose, use the law opposites and return to the main and be making that money using business and financial concepts while you're watching games. And that's your North Carolina Tar Heels basketball school coming up in football from a money making. Betting perspective. And uh, moving on down the list is Pittsburgh Panthers. This is a team that uh, went seven and five last year, four and four in the ACC. Uh, interesting because normally Pittsburgh, when you think Pittsburgh, it's, you know, run the football, run the football, big power team. And they had bits of that last year, but it really was quarterback Kenny Pickett, who was only the fourth uh, Pittsburgh quarterback ever to throw for over 3,000 yards. Uh, he, he's going to try to improve on that. He's a part of maybe not a mindset change, but you, you get in these situations where, look, if your best player is a quarterback, um, you, you might need to just throw some extra game plan in, stuff like that. I, I do right. think, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, they're able to do stuff. We have – we talk about it right now. What, it's June 26th. Right. This is when the game plans are being put in. It's not night before. It's not before. No, right, it's right. happening right now. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like things change. Hey, someone right. gets hurt. Okay, we can talk about it. It's not like they don't. These talk guys about are obsessive. They're still watching film. They might change something. No, like that. Well, not, nothing crazy. I mean, maybe you pick up plays. Maybe hey, right. they ran this weird play on fourth and five. Hey, let's all just kind of look at it and all right. stuff like that. But we're not, you're, they're not sitting you down and showing you 55 plays and being like, hey, we're in this, when they're in this formation, you better expect this. It doesn't work like that. Right, right. So I think Pittsburgh is, is finding ways to be that kind of running team, but also use a quarterback like Kenny Pickett who can do things. Not not a huge arm, but he's, he's good enough to get you, you know, it, he's kind of a um, – not a game manager, but he'll pick up 
you know, pieces, seven yards at a time. Nothing crazy, not going to beat you, no home runs, but a lot of singles, a lot of doubles. Hey, I'm always going to bring it back to baseball. But um, the one thing I will say as well about the uh, Pittsburgh is the guys they're bringing back. They're bringing back the best center in the ACC in Jimmy Morrison, and they have three linebackers um, who are all young, but all are expected in a year or two to be that kind of, I always, maybe not as good as the USC linebackers, but I remember that trinity of Cushing, Matthews, and Malaluga. Um, Maybe not on that level, but when you have three linebackers that all are probably going to be drafted, that team that year is going to be good. Each and every game this year for Pittsburgh, I think they're going to get better. Does that mean that they're going to win 10 games or anything like that? No, I don't think so. But I think a lot of their late games are when we're going to make money off of them. Right. And this is a classic team that when you're on the level that we are and you make the kind of money consistently that we make, right, uh, this is a team we get edge from, right? Because you look at Pat Narduzzi, he's a smart guy. He's a guy who's basically married to the game of football. He's very dedicated. He's really that Mark D'Antoni, uh, Jim Trestle that I have back there. Mark D'Antoni, Jim Trestle type tree. He had those juggernaut defenses in Michigan State with Antonio. Right? So then he, I thought he was going to replace D'Antonio. Uh, but he didn't. Uh, and he he has a lot of networking. And he has um, as his offensive coordinator. He has Mark uh, Rip, uh I forgot how to pronounce his last name. Winnipeg. But that guy has been coaching for 40 years. I think he's in his 70s. So you are not going to out-scheme a 75-year-old offensive coordinator. He's not out there recruiting. Our has got his young church out there recruiting. They recruit hard because nobody wants to go to Pittsburgh. They'd rather go to UCF. And UCF blew them out in Orlando. And then he out-schemed. I was watching that game. UCF had better players. And he out-schemed UCF, and he won that game. And, and you can see here the way he strategizes, right? He beats UCF, right, a, a legitimate team, a team people were saying it should have been in the playoffs. A lot of talent down there, 35-34. Uh, and then he beats uh, Delaware 17-14, right? So he looks at Delaware and says, we should physically beat Delaware. Right, so they just beat UCF as a dog, right? I didn't bet that game because I I have a bias and I hate UCF. I have emotion. I didn't bet it, but then I see the twenty eight point favors against Delaware. I'm like, no, no, no. It, he physically thinks he's going to beat him. He has other fish to fry in conference: Miami, North Carolina, all these teams he's playing. He's not going to put all his up, right? So being easy. That's how you pick Delaware. You're like, oh, you're picking Delaware. You're a degenerate. Da, da, da. No, I'm doing my research here in June and understand the strategy these guys have, right? He physically thinks he can beat Delaware. He doesn't have to game plan for it. Like Clemson against Georgia Tech, right? So that's why we make money. We make more money off inflated lines than anything else. Fighting inefficiencies in the market is what you would say in the stock market. So that's Pat Narducey. In a nutshell, and you look at Miami, Ohio, at Marshall, Richmond, Duke, 
So they should be 4-0 going to Miami. Playing that game. And remember, you got two defense coaches. You have Manny Diaz, a defensive coach, and a partner at DC, a defensive coach. So you got to look right there. You got to look hard at the under. Because you got two uh, defensive guys coming at, egomaniac defensive guys coming at each other. Going to try to out scheme each other. Next up, we have probably the biggest surprise of last year. Uh, the Virginia Cavaliers went nine and five, six and two in the ACC. Uh, very surprised. I, I was just kind of reading it, and I, I completely forgot they were actually in the Orange Bowl. And I thought, like, oh man, that money on that game. Remember that? Yeah, and and I remember thinking, wow, that must have been a terrible. Game. And I look at the score, and it was. I mean, it was a it was a thirty six twenty eight game. Um, I think I do yeah, remember. Yeah, we had like the, I think the line was like twenty eight points or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we Who's knew that lying? we knew Virginia was going to cover, and I do remember it in, in terms of Virginia was outplayed, but right. they they were they were always there, and I think that was a big reason why they did what they did last year. Um, they didn't do a whole lot of like the, nothing jumped out at you on the uh, if you look at their schedule from last year. I mean. They beat, they beat uh, Florida State by a touchdown. Nothing crazy there. They only beat Old Dominion by 11. You know, you, you, they're 4-0. Again, and again, what we're lose. saying, right, they physically think they can beat them, so they're not yeah. strategizing. And then they they're lose, scheming for them. They lose three out of four um, to then go five and three and then just go on a tear, end up, you know, like I said, up and down Diaz lets them in the door. They get to the conference tournament. Now, they don't want to talk about the – not the conference tournament, conference championship game. Absolutely demolished by Clemson. But the fact that Brocco Mendenhall, I think he's kind of brought that grown man style. Um, BYU, remember, every year is going well, to be – Think about that, all right? Because you look at the guy, right? He's a BYU Mormon guy. So he's not – he doesn't have, like, Pete Carroll and Manny Diaz. He does not have uh, – Obvious, uh, doesn't care girlfriend on the side. He's a, he's a man of faith who's sitting at home watching film twenty four seven. And he reads Mormon too. You go. You got Brocco Mendenhall, who when he was in Provo and BYU, I mean there there might have been some players that were older than him. You know BYU <laughs> has has players they they have to go on their four year mission before they can play anywhere. Right. And I think that is huge when you and he's talk recruiting about, those guys to uh, Virginia. Yeah, well, and, and you're also knowing how to deal with players now that are younger. Um, right. That And he's obviously – now, you look at his overall record, he's still under 500 at Virginia. But Virginia is a school – it's similar to North Carolina and Duke. That's a basketball right. school. Um, and the fact that they were not only in the conference title game, but they, they competed in the Orange Bowl, that was very impressive – and I think Brocco Mendenhall is building on something. That being said, uh, this is the, the they're going to come back to earth. I think they're a seven and five, four and four in the ACC team. I don't think they win nine or ten games like last year. Um, I, I, I'm excited to see where Virginia is going. I think they build on last year um, through recruiting rather than winning games because of how amazing they were last year. Right. It's going to be tough very, for them. Very very resilient, very well coached. They're going to be in football games. I just think this year they're not sneaking up on people anymore. It's not, oh, we're just playing Virginia. Oh, crap, we're down by 20 points in the third quarter. That's not happening this year to Virginia. 
No. But it's a classic case of taking advantage of the market. You get blown out by Clemson. And then they're playing Florida. Remember, Florida is kind of an you know control team. Their coach likes networking, so he doesn't like blowing the other guys out. You know, he just wants to win the game. And then you get a huge line. I think we got like 30 points. Yeah. So, well, and it was the reaction because um, uh, it, they got absolutely demolished. And I, I'm pretty sure we, we, we made money on the Clemson-Virginia game. We, we, we talk about, you know, double-digit dogs in the division. Yeah, we, we, didn't, we didn't use it that time. That, that 80%, yeah, we were on the 20% side of that one because Clemson was just so much better in Virginia. Right. Florida wasn't 30 points better than anybody in Division One football. Um, and those are the games, like I said. But you got a guy like Fredo Lindenhall who's not even having sex with his wife. He's just watching film for a month before the bowl game after getting yeah. blown out. You know he's going to figure out something, and he did. And the other thing is that they beat your, uh, Virginia Tech 39-30. Justin Fuente uh, is another great coach. Uh, they beat him, right? And then with you know no depth trying to play Clemson, that's just not going to happen. But he's a. It's going to be tough for him because uh, no spring practice, so no time really to develop his guys. I'm sure he's following all the rules. He's not doing legal practices like Alabama and Israel. So that's and that's Virginia. Finally, uh, the last team in the ACC is uh, Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech has their. Obviously, move. They've moved on from Frank Beamer. It's Justin Fuente, which really isn't. And Foster, their longtime defensive coordinator. Foster was been there for like forty years. Oh yes, definitely. But yeah. Foster, whatever. Um, and uh, it's it's a situation where it it it's obviously not Frank Beamer, but Justin Fuente was, um, I think, heavily influenced, and I was impressed by. His ability, at least to to keep things together, they started the year last year in the worst possible way for any ACC team. They lost at Boston College. And this isn't for me to just talk shit on Boston College, but Virginia Tech should not be losing to Boston College. And when you start the season that way, it can go really badly. And it's lately... In Virginia Tech, they've had situations like that, and it's gone badly. It snowballed into a five, six-game losing streak. That didn't happen. Um, they they weren't perfect the rest of the year. They they lost forty-five to ten to Duke. Um, uh, they 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 probably should have beat Notre Dame. They didn't. Whatever. But they end up eight and five, five and three. End up uh, falling to Kentucky in a very actually very good bowl game. They ended up losing to Virginia. That was, I think, first time in 14, 15 years that that had happened. So looking at it from the outside, it was, it was not great. But a not great at eight and five, a lot of schools would take that. Right. And I think Virginia Tech improves. I think every year that Justin Fuente is able to have his foot, uh, fingerprint on this team, they will get better. I don't know if they will ever get to the national championship caliber team that they uh, used to be. 
They had Michael Vick. Yeah, and, and that, that was also a big reason why they were in that national – and they couldn't even win with Michael Vick in that national title game. Yeah. Which, that was the game that was like 9-7, the national title. It was very odd that um, that, that game – I could be wrong. I, 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 there was a while. Yeah, I think they were in a couple. One, one of them was like that, that Michael Vick game. Yeah, against the the criminals and it mm-hmm. goes up and down. It in Florida State got hot and scored like well, their defense got tired, right? Because it wasn't that type of defense to win a game in a shootout, right? Mm-hmm. It, but Michael Vick was running all over the place. But the Virginia Tech defense wore wore down, and uh, Florida State ended up scoring a lot of points to to run away with it, but. The way you make money off Virginia Tech and Justin Fuentes, I remember him at uh, in Memphis mm-hmm. playing against USF. He's a guy that believes in, in wanting his team to get better as the season goes along. So uh, the team that you see in the beginning against Boston College is not the team you're going to see at the end, but what messed up his plan, right, of kind of muddling along and then getting into another ACC title game was Bronco Mendenhall, right? And Bronco Mendenhall is the type of guy who's going to be obsessed. He's not going to let you beat him two years in a row, wherever you are. It doesn't matter who you are. Bronco Mendenhall is not going to lose to you two years in a row. He's going to sit there all summer and game plan against you. He's going to hire a private detective to follow your guys around. He's going to know every single thing. You, you, so he upset him. And it's not that the Bronco Mendenhall upset him. It's the fact that I predicted. Bronco, I don't think it was an upset. Research comes in. I predict, yeah, I predict he was going to do it. No. And he covered it. I think um, you got points on that, though. I think mm-hmm. uh, actually there was was favor. So, by doing your research, you monetize. It's not just, oh, let me think, and maybe this will happen. No, no, no. It's actually putting action and putting money on the line and winning money based upon. And, and you learn about your own decision making and your biases, right? You only have a bias with UCF and, and USF, you don't bet those games. There you have it. I mean, that's uh, that's the ACC for you. And and like I said, it, it, it's June. There's nobody else doing this right now. Uh, no. Everybody's still trying to get caught up on baseball. That's already done on our side. We already got that done. Yes. Um, we got a whole page. We just click on it. Our Brandon First Baseball Previews. We finally got it organized. Uh, you can click on those teams and find out. Don't place bets unless you've listened to Brandon's first breakdown of these games. And what's going to go down? And now we started with the ACC, and every week we're going to come up with another conference and give you very, very specific, very detailed, actionable steps to monetize and have fun watching. Final thoughts, Brandon. First, another great podcast. I think there's a lot of information, um, especially um, as we get closer and um, these things kind of materialize more. Uh, I think one of the best things that we do on this podcast is we, we do a lot of prognosticating and stuff like that without lines so that 
you already, you don't need to know the numbers. You just know where you want to go. Like you have an idea. Right. Like I can tell you right now, uh, what, shoot, what was it? Liber was it Liberty? Is it Liberty Syracuse? We were Liberty, talking about Liberty, earlier. I'm going to say Liberty. it's going to be about a uh, eight to 11 point um, Syracuse will be favorites. And I, I, we're, they're, Liberty's covering and we got to talk to the Pope, but that might be a Pope with a punny money line. Uh, exactly. That is something that we can take advantage of. Um, and that's why we're doing this stuff now. And that's just another great podcast. And, like, yeah, no, and, and you don't have to go five and out. If you go four and five, if you go three and five, you're over 52.5%. And along those lines, and that's why you have to, this is a great exercise. Uh, we're feeding two birds with one meal. Pet heart, do you see? You got defensive guy against defensive guy. We said the Miami game was going over. Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins, defensive guy. That game's going under. So these games would it's game to get a little hard at going under because you have two defensive egomaniac guys going against each other. Bronco Mendenhall and Pitt. Look for those games to go under. And if you hit two out of three, that's uh 66%, which is over 52.5, which is you're making money. And you're enjoying watching those games. All right, man. Great one. Uh, they keep downloading the NFL draft one, so those people will be downloading this one. And we end with Winston Churchill. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Like, we give you picks. All right. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Betting and Finance Podcast Network.